Then he commanded his house steward, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack. Put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest, and his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph had told him. As soon as it was light, the men were sent away, they with their donkeys. They had just got out of the city and were not far off when Joseph said to his house steward, Up, follow the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this the one from which my Lord drinks, and which he indeed uses for divination? You have done wrong in doing this. So he overtook them and spoke these words to them. They said to him, Why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money which we found in the mouth of our sacks we have brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? With whomever of your servants it is found, let him die, and we also will be my Lord's slaves. So he said, Now let it also be according to your words. He with whom it is found shall be my slave, and the rest of you shall be innocent. Then they hurried, each, ma each man lowered his sack to the ground, and each man opened his sack. He searched, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, and when each man loaded his donkey, they returned to the city. Whoa. The steward is told, put food in the sacks, the money in the mouth of the sack, and take my special silver cup, and you put that in the sack of the youngest. Now, I'm wondering what the steward initially imagined Joseph had in mind by doing that. Did he know that they were his brothers? Not that I know of. I don't think so. He's already given five times more food to the youngest one. What would he be thinking, maybe? Who is he? Present. This house steward. Oh. Yeah, present. Yeah, you know, he must really like that, that youngest one. You know, going to give him an extra extra Still little... Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what you'd assume if, if you secretly send a present to somebody. You assume that, you know, well, you must want to do something really nice for them. So, uh, except, you know, they get gone and they barely get out of there. When Joseph says to the house steward, now I want you to go catch up to these guys. And you ask them why they've repaid evil for good. Because what in the world were they thinking when they took that cup? You accused them of robbing that cup. Now that's, that's, wow. The steward just obeys Joseph. But you wonder what in the world he's thinking about Joseph in this. Obviously, this is a setup. So he overtakes them, and he says, you know, well, you know, he said these words to them. And, uh, you know, how do they feel? Oh, they can't believe it. Yeah. They're indignant. Of all the nerve to accuse them of stealing this cup, they even brought that money back when they thought it had been, you know, they didn't take that cup. Look. You know, if you find that cup in any of our sacks, you can kill the guy who's got the cup and the rest of us be your slaves. I mean, they are positively certain they don't have that cup. And uh, what does the servant say? Well, yeah, you know, if, if, if the, whoever's got the cup, he'll be my slave. The rest of you will go free, you know. Really nice guy. 
You know, just the guilty guy, the only one that's going to get get enslaved. And so, you know, you think about this steward. He knows right where that cup is. He's the guy who put it there, you know. But what does he do? Holds him in suspense. Yeah. In an Oscar-winning performance, he starts with the oldest one, and he opens the sack, and he searches through that one. And then the second oldest one, he opens the sack, and he searches through that one. We go through ten sacks of grain, one by one, seeing if that cup is in there, and it's not in that one. And what do you know those brothers are feeling? More and more outrage. More and more, we, we told you he didn't steal it. And finally he comes to Benjamin's sack. And he opens the sack. And there's the cup. That stupid little brother of theirs stole that cup! What in the world? Getting them all in trouble. I mean, here's this, you know, father's pet. You know, the spoiled brat. And he thinks he can steal the cup. Can you imagine how they could have felt toward their brother? I mean, after all of the jealousy they could have had, and then <coughs> he stole that cup. This is a huge test of their attitude toward their brother. Because this setup makes it look like he's not only, you know, his father's little pet. He's also dumb enough to try to steal Joseph's cup. Joseph designs this perfectly. They all get hauled hold, back before Joseph. Just, and we'll just see, you know, what's their attitude toward Benjamin. Cass. You know, you think people learn to think about what they say. Um, you know, they say, you know, if any man find it, you know, let him die. You know, we get, he'll die and we'll be your servant, which is really ironic which is weird because their dad did the exact same thing with the idols. Yes! Yeah. Good point! <laughs> you remember that? And where were those idols? Under sitting on right his favorite The one. last place he looked, except he didn't find them. Because <laughs> Rachel figured out how to keep him from looking there. You know, but it's, it's very parallel. Good point. Other thoughts? It doesn't mention their surprise, though, of finding their money in their sacks. Because as he opened each sack, there was their money again. I know. <laughs> Which would kind of counter the other idea, because they would each know they didn't steal the money and put it in their sack. So when it comes to the cup, we didn't put the money in there. I don't think we put the cup in there either. That is a good point. It all depends on how they feel toward their brother. But it's a good point, you know, because they didn't, twice, the money showed back up in their sacks. They didn't stick it in there either time. And the fact of the matter is, they really didn't have access to these sacks. They got the sacks already closed up. But if they had wanted a good excuse to get rid of their little brother, and this is the perfect alibi, they go home and tell their dad, this cotton-picking brother of ours stole that cup. I mean, it's a, it looks like it. You know, it, it, at least it would be an easy job to sell that story. And you just kind of would expect it of a guy like Benjamin anyway, wouldn't you? You know, you can see if they were jealous. 
I think that's exactly what they think about it. You know, our interpretation of what somebody's done is colored less by the facts and more by your impression of that person. If you think somebody probably do something like that, even if the, the evidence is, really, is not really that strong that they did it, you'll think they did it. Because that's what you think about them. Think good for you. And everybody would understand, too. Well, yeah, what could we do? Yeah. I mean, the evidence was there. The cup was in the sack. You know, wasn't there. They did not put it in there. And they didn't tell, you know, the man to imprison this boy. But what would you expect him to do? It was his special cup. It, it's just, you know, I mean, this is so much easier than the first time they got rid of a favorite brother. You know, because uh, this time, you know, they're doing it for freedom, not just for money. And, and this time, I mean, it's a brother who looks like he's guilty of stealing. So there. It's almost, that's almost scary. The, the test, this is really a test. This is a test. Joseph was sharp. And the way they're going to pass this test is going to be overwhelming. Well, is there anything at all in Joseph that makes us think that he is deceitful or anything? I mean, would you do things like this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the best of others. <laughs> I don't know. Well, not you know, we've got maybe a couple of issues. I know the deception is one issue because he is really being deceptive about this. But it's almost like he's bluffing. I don't know where to go with that. I mean, in general, I think Joseph is presented as a positive, virtuous character. But I don't know if we've got, you know, authority to bluff. I, I couldn't do it with a straight face, but, you know, I don't know. Uh, as far as, you know, his attitude toward his brothers, I mean, I think he really can't trust them until he sets up this test and finds out have they really repented. They haven't confessed it. They haven't said they've repented. He doesn't know whether they have. Well, it is obvious that he's given a lot of thought to how he was going to do this. I agree. Yeah, I think he's got this well planned. It certainly is effective to determine what the attitude of these brothers is toward their favorite brother. Other thoughts? Cameron. And the brothers already started to um, pass the test because they went back. They were given freedom. Only the Benjamin was brought back, but they decided to follow it. Yeah, I, true, although I, I don't know that they would have been allowed to go on. Uh, but maybe they would have. I don't know. I'm not sure how that was. But at least if they do voluntarily go back, absolutely. And, and certainly we see in just a little bit they would have voluntarily go back, gone back. I mean, what's going to happen? We're not going to really, I think, be able to cover all of this, you know, tonight. But, but what's going to end up happening is, you know, Judah will take the lead. And he will, in the longest speech in the book of Genesis, he will plead with the man, bottom line, to let him be a slave and sacrifice himself for a brother loved more than he was. Just so his father doesn't go through any more grief. 
It's one of the most emotional things in the book. Yes. It's amazing. And, and it just shows Joseph so mm -hmm. much, his change of heart. I mean, wow. <laughs> These brothers aren't like the brothers who sold him to Egypt. They've grieved that for many years. And they really have repented. And you don't see that they are, I mean, that they'll do anything to spare their brother. Really, they'll do anything to spare their father. I think that's the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Would you say that he brings them to repentance? No. I mean, I, I'm a, there's really nothing he does that so much leads them to repent, it leads them to reveal their repentance. Yeah, yeah I, I think you can see their, their grief in the things that they're saying openly. Of course, they don't know that Joseph is understanding what what he what they're saying yeah but but uh, however just because they're saying those things doesn't mean that they've repented you're exactly right but I think by the time that this whole thing is over you can see that they have repented I think Judah's speech <clears throat> clinches it very much so and, and I mean the others seem to be with him in that I don't take it that this yeah. is just yes. Judah I think they all they are not going to leave their brother whatever they have to do now, Judah wasn't the only one who tore his clothes. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. It's just, it's beautiful. Yeah, Kevin. And Judah was the one that suggested the idea of selling him. And so it's very cool that he's the one that steps up and takes the blame for this and, like, has that speech. Yes. And he, of course, is the one who said, you can hold me responsible. This is really... This is an amazing story. I mean, the more you read the story of, of Joseph all the way through, yeah. wow. This is, it's always been, I think there's probably nothing in the Bible that even as a child I found harder to put down than reading the story of Joseph. I, even when I didn't really understand a lot of it, you know, like I would now, it still is such an intriguing story. Really encouraging. I bet they were getting to where they really dreaded that journey between. <laughs> Can you imagine? You know, the first time up may be okay, but then on the way back without Simeon, and they had to bring their younger brother. The way back, they're taking their younger brother and their money that they have to get. The way back, Dad, we got some good news and some bad news. <laughs> we found Joseph. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you wonder how they explained that one, don't yeah. you? <laughs> uh, yeah, now the bad news. <laughs> we know how why he was there. We know how he got there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to have known how that all fell out. We never mm. find out. <laughs> but wow. Yeah. And you know you know where this is. I mean you know, the other thing that's just such an amazing part of the story is when Joseph reveals himself, and you can just imagine the utter shock. Oh, yes. And he tells them some things that only he would know. It's him. It's really him. So, I mean, all of this has so many things that are amazing. Joseph's attitude as well. And I just felt like it'd be good to kind of you know, forecast some of that. It'll be a while before we come back to this. But I mean, those are just some of the things that the highlights of, of what we see. Cameron? Some of um, Joseph's dreams have already been fulfilled by yeah. the brothers bowing down. But how is he going to get his mother to bow down? 
I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know that she's still around, so that may be accommodative. Stepmother. Yeah, yeah, his, his real mother, absolutely not. Maybe, maybe Leah. Maybe. Other thoughts and comments? You mentioned uh, Jacob's speech, of course we haven't gotten there yet, and the fact that it is a moving speech. Jacob makes some good speeches. When, when, he, uh, when he talked to Laban, his speech to Laban. Yeah, this is Judah's speech. Yeah, I'm, what did I say? Jacob. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm at Judah. Yeah. Judah, Judah's speeches yes. are, are, are uh, that right? that's right. right that, wasn't, yeah. that wasn't Judah's right. speech right. Right. To, to Laban. That right. Yeah, okay. But just, you know, lots of really cool things. Lots of things to really think about. And, and I would say, you know, there are so many times when we just really need to look at these stories and read them with a lot of thought. I think we tend to read stories rather superficially. You know, we read an epistle. And we just pick it over and we just look at every word and every phrase and why is it there and how does it relate to the context. We tend to read the stories and not really think. But I think if you can put yourself into the stories, you know, think about what it was really like and try to think a little bit more about why are these things happening and why did Moses tell us these details? You know, there's a purpose behind the telling of details in a story just like there's a purpose behind you know every phrase of an epistle and so I think you really see that particularly here and it's been really helpful to me as I've studied this more and more to really think about what some of this is really meaning and saying and just thinking about the feelings and emotions of the of the characters involved so I really appreciate being able to share these things together. Cass? Um, I mean this is actually I mean like you, you, you said a lot, we know how the story ends, um, but like this, and I mean, this is actually like really terrifying. I mean, the, them sitting there and they, you know, learn that, you know, Benjamin stole the cup. I mean, that would be terrible because, you know, the, they made sure that they promised their father that nothing would happen to him. And I know, like for me, I hate telling my parents, you know, if I broke something. I can't even imagine telling them that I lost a brother. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, this would be really hard and really terrifying on them. Good point. I agree. All right. Well, uh, I will not be here the next three weeks. So whatever four weeks from now is, which should be the 30th, I think, 